Upload Path podcast is a creative brew of nature magic practices. Each episode will have a different theme linked to the particular season. And on occasion, there will be interviews with like-minded guests. Insights will be shared from witch walks, journeying, nature connections, oracles, and wise woman talk. Come sit in a virtual circle to honour sacred wildness. Welcome to the second episode of season two of the Antler Path podcast, Winter Stones Beacons of Ancient Wisdom. In this episode, I explore the spiritual aspects of stones particularly large ancient stones, associated as they are with the landscape of the north, of midwinter, of ancestral wisdom and enduring persistence. Stone is often used to represent the north and earth on the Celtic wheel of the year. I take as ever a winding antlered path that spirals into a local ancient monument known as the Corscombe Stones and I leap up to Orkney to meditate on the potency of a site that is aligned to the midwinter solstice, but more on that a bit later on. The notion of ancient stones in the landscape being beacons is really about their almost enigmatic presence. I used to think of them a little like lighthouses or part of an energy grid map, like indicators of constancy somehow a way of communicating with or connecting to the ancestors as well. Firstly, I will briefly set the sacred space for this episode. And you may hear the gales that are going on in the background. We have kind of like a monsoon rainstorm and very strong winds today. So that will just add to the kind of Kyliac energy of this episode. So just bring yourself inwards, if you can at this time, and find yourself within your inner landscape. In the ancient grove of wild trees and creatures. The stones surrounding you at a distance, their long shadows in the low midwinter sun here in the Northern Hemisphere. Notice your body and your breath and feel into your sacred place, taking three slow breaths and connecting to a tree near to you, to its roots, its trunk and branches. And we invite those ancestors and spirit allies who look on us kindly to inspire and guide us on our journey through the landscape of stone, of cleansing and spiritual renewal, of deep abiding wisdom and resilience, of midwinter magic. We welcome you into our sanctuary of sacred abiding light. <laughs> 
and just take another slow breath and notice the surface beneath you and your space around you. And so we enter the landscape of sacred ancient stone. So as I've mentioned before, I follow a particular pagan path um, that associates stone and earth with the north and midwinter. So I'm exploring this association here. I find deep ancestral connections through ancient stones during the winter, as I said before, and I find they stand out more clearly and resonate with an ancient primal understanding of the kind of Earth's place in the solar system. Like somehow they link me to the stars, which is interesting as many stone circles, for example, are linked to the seasonal shifts of the light and the sun. The metaphorical winter stone path is a solid path, one that is chosen for its reliability or clearly defined boundaries. It is a path of hope that can provide stability within ourselves. It keeps our footing steady, if you like. And in the physical sense, I can think of many ancient pathways that have large chunks of flint or rocks in and make it feel like a good bet and crossing a wet and sodden landscape in the winter. I will always opt for such rather than a river path which is likely to sink under my very feet. Large stones have provided markers for rituals, seasonal changes, gatherings and spiritual connections for thousands of years throughout the world. Whether a stone circle, a stone row or burial chambers, stone is really enduring and timeless. It conveys a sense of continuity and a connection, as I said, to the ancient ancestors who live much closer to the rhythms of the earth and nature and really understood their place in the grand scheme of things. For centuries, people have felt drawn to the magic and potency of stone. Many stones have symbols and writing carved onto them. For stone is also a canvas or a medium of communication, for sharing important messages, spiritually and otherwise. And often stones are positioned on ley lines too, which adds energy and significance to their presence even more. There are some significant ancient stone sites around the UK where they are aligned specifically to the midwinter solstice time. And there's various theories about this. I have a particular fascination for a site on Orkney, which I will talk about shortly. But first, I just wanted to share a passage from a book that is very dear to me called Hallow Quest, and it's linked to the Arthurian tarot deck by Caitlin and John Matthews, where they present the link between the stone hallow and winter. And just to note that the four hallows link to the four elements and to the directions around the wheel of the year too. The four hallows are sword, spear, grail and stone. And they are of the Celtic tradition and often referred to as the four treasures. This following passage links to the card Stone Ten, which is also known as um, Ten of Pentacles in regular tarot. And this card pictures a castle in the snow and the wild landscape of winter. And so they say, The realm of stone is established in winter. This realm is where our life's commitments are explored. The stone castle is clearly indicated from afar, but it lies in the middle of the winter grip land. 
It welcomes travellers who have a sense of the fitness of things, who understand the formal steps of the game and who are willing to learn traditional wisdom with humility. The prizes to be won in this game are to do with rightful inheritance, with gaining establishment, with entering into positive ancestral patterns. And I love the reference here to positive ancestral patterns. Winter is a very ancestral time for many people and where many will also recall and connect to, you know, ancestral energies and memories from Samhain onwards. And I like the fact that positive ancestral patterns is what we need to focus on, not so much the toxic or the negative. And there is also a reference in this um, excerpt to a game which is from the Welsh tradition and is basically a precursor to chess, which tested the mental agility of those questing rather than the fighting skills. There is a chessboard in midair being carried in flight by magpies across a bleak winter landscape in this card of Stone 10. So you've got the black and white of the magpies and the black and white of this ancient game board. And this castle is also referred to as the chessboard castle in the Arthurian and other Celtic myths. It is a place of testing and people, often knights who enter it, will see the chessboard pieces moving or playing by themselves as if under a spell of enchantment. Learning strategic skills and ensuring wisdom is a key aspect of becoming a well-rounded person, not just a knight. Such skills refer to commitment in terms of our life's purpose and our spiritual direction. And this indicates to me the ancient abiding strength of earth and stone to keep us focused on that commitment to our potential and to our spiritual insights. Without this as a foundation for our paths, we can't feel connected or rooted to our true nature or utilise wisdom in a well-rounded way. So before heading back to Orkney, as I keep promising, <laughs> and the magic of a particular sacred stone site there, I would like to share with you a short trodcast where I visit a local group of ancient stones that hold a special place in my heart. There are different theories about why they are there and what purpose they once had, and who doesn't like an ancient mystery linked to sacred sites? The Corscombe stones consist of three groups of stones on the edge of a well-used path at the bottom of a steep valley surrounded by various trees, particularly blackthorn. One theory is that they marked an ancient burial site, such as a long barrow or a mound that has long since subsided. What intrigues me is that not a lot of archaeological investigation has happened here. So join me out in the long, wet, wintry grass as I connect to the stones and to the blackthorn and share some insights.
So I'm just approaching the Corscombe Stones and I've just seen a magpie, which is wonderful. Magpie is one of my um, totem animal allies. And it's always really connecting and reassuring when I um, connect with a magpie out on the land. And especially if I'm going to do something really significant or sacred as I am now, which is to record a little trodcast here at the Corscombe Stones. And there's lots of ivy in flower. I've just seen a squirrel very stealthily <laughs> navigating some thin branches. And yeah, it's quite, quite still the energy, but it's breezy and the rain is about to come. So I'm hoping to record and connect here before the rain really makes it too hard to be out. It's quite cold, not as cold as the last few days, so that's good. So I'm just going to enter the field where the stones are. So Corscombe stones are intriguing. There's the three groupings, 10 in total, and the whole area is about 50 metres north to south and then 20 metres east to west. There are three standing stones um, that I just connected to uh, as I arrived at the site and they provide the sort of main focus of the site and the other larger stones are now recumbent and they kind of look like they've toppled over. The largest of the standing stones is about six and a half foot and the smallest resembles a chair and is known locally as the granny seat or the devil's seat. I'm not a fan of the link between granny and devil here, but there is indeed a deep crone energy, which I felt when I first came here about five years ago, especially as there was an ancient blackthorn tree, which has now sadly fallen over. And although there's still small shoots coming up from its stump, it really isn't the same place anymore. The, the tree, as, as well as the three standing stones, provided a real anchor point and beautiful um, resonance to the place. So yeah, that, that's a bit sad, but it is hopeful to see lots of little younger shoots coming up and, and smaller saplings, like I say, growing up around the base of the stones. And so Blackthorn is associated with Crone, the Kailak, and with the dark aspect of the goddess and has been linked to the Fae and other worlds in different traditions. And... It's seen as bad luck to cut um, the blackthorn at Samhain or Beltane um, in Irish tradition. And it rules the dark half of the year from Samhain to Beltane. And as a tree spirit ally, it can assist you with assertiveness, protection, um, inner resilience and magic. And it can help reveal secrets both within ourselves or around us. So although this site spread out as it is quite quite broadly is, is a mystery, um, the most common kind of theory about what, what Corscombe stones are about is that there was a barrow here, a chambered barrow burial site. Um, so I've mentioned the three standing stones. The recumbent stones are just... Um, a little way away 
you know, the, the fence um, to an adjoining field. And then there's another couple of recumbent stones which are much further away, sort of due west, I think. I'm just trying to get my bearings. Yeah, it's sort of probably northwest or something like that anyway. So, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely difficult site to pin down in terms of its energy, in terms of what it represents. And I'm no clearer about what it represents really five years on. And I think that's partly what I love about this place it definitely feels like it's a marker point. It has a sense of a portal around it, you know, like a sense of linking to the unseen. And I definitely feel like I need to be very aware and mindful when I'm here about how I communicate and connect. And I usually don't leave any offerings apart from blessings or song. Um, but I have bought some lavender dried lavender from our garden very small amount which I'm going to leave close to the blackthorn that um, fell over um, as a token of my gratitude and my love for this space especially for the blackthorn spirit and for the crone so um, yeah lavender connects me to grandmother energy and so I thought that would be fitting and as I'm talking at the moment there's a beautiful uh I think it's a shire horse I can't quite see from here but it certainly looks as big as a shire horse in the distance on the on the side of the hill um but it's kind of slightly obscured by some gorse and some hawthorn so I can't quite see it fully <laughs> but it's beautiful and it's been watching me and now a little wren has joined me in um the trees nearby so that's also very lovely I'm just going to go and offer my lavender. So we've come over to the, the remains of the ancient blackthorn. The stump is really wide and it has grass and moss growing up around it as well as lots of very sturdy blacks, blackthorn shoots that are coming up, as I said just now, from um, down in, in the root section, I guess, of the stump area. And it looks very, very healthy. It's a lovely little cluster. Um, so I'm just going to offer my lavender. Blessed be. There's actually a little bit of blue sky, which is lovely. So, and by the recumbent stones, and I'm just noticing a piece of beautiful grey-blue flint on top of one of the recumbent stones. It almost looks, makes it look like an eye, the, the stone eye <laughs> looking up at me. <laughs> and I do really get a sense of tradition here, a sense of movement and journeying like a marker point on the journey, a place to stop and reflect, but also a place of um, challenge and adversity and kind of that sense of, you know, not being able to run away from something, you know, when there's something that you're trying to avoid or you don't really want to face up to, you know, that's that sense of... Um, 
discomfort within oneself when you think of a certain thing and you think, oh, I don't really want to face that. I don't want to deal with that right now. And I've often felt when I visited here, I stand really close to, especially the recumbent stones, I get this sense of, you know, there's no hiding, there's no running away from from certain aspects, from certain maybe shadows or fears. Um, it's better to face them, it's better to look at them and use your wisdom, use your stability and call on your ancestors who look on you kindly to, to support you in that process. So, yeah, take it a step at a time, see it as a journey and see how you can make it into a more doable task, I guess. So that's the sort of overall energy that I get from here, you know, that um, things are a little bit stripped bare. Even in the summer, actually, I still feel that energy here in the summer. So I've just come to the final grouping of stones, these um, two main recumbent stones, although I think there might be another, there's another one hidden under the grass, but this is a very different energy to the other two groups of stones um, and it's set away from the other two groups as well and it's surrounded by nettles which is interesting it gives a very different energy from the blackthorn um, and the, the nettles are going black creating an aura of protection a bit like the blackthorn but in a different way um, and they're sort of growing over the stones very much linked I see the the kind of synergy between the nettles and the stones and it's it's more eerie here actually I've just noticed a broken eggshell um, from a wild bird egg at the base. Um, I don't know if that's an offering. And there's some acorns. And there's a little can of flint stone that somebody has placed on one of the recumbent stones here and makes me think of Kylak again. <laughs> it's nice. A little offering of stones on stone. I'm just going to have a little mooch about, but I'll leave it for there for now. It's sending you blessings of blackthorn, blessings of sacred standing stones, and blessings of the ancestors and of mystery to you. any ancient stone sites near to you where you live or do you have a certain type of stone in the landscape that is dominant for example and how does it make you feel so now i am heading to orkney as promised and to the site of may's howe a neolithic chambered cairn and passage grave this incredible building is some five thousand years old and is said to be the finest Neolithic building to survive in northwestern Europe by Historic Environment Scotland. One of the most striking features of this ancient site is the alignment of Maze Howe with the midwinter solstice. Three weeks on either side of the shortest day of the year, the rays of the setting sun filter in through the passage at Maze Howe to strike at the back wall. This suggests that the people who built this monument created ceremonies, rituals or beliefs that link to the sun. 
and the spiritual significance of the sun. And this aspect for me is really enduring and calls us as much today as it did back then. In terms of the structure of this monument, there are huge stones creating the chamber that all you can see from the outside is a turf mound. The mound is about 35 metres in diameter and 7 metres high and consists mostly of packed stones and clay with an inner layer of stones around the chamber itself. At each corner of the central chamber is a huge upright standing stone. And a really significant aspect to this site is the position of a large standing stone around 750 metres to the southwest of Mays Howe, known as the Barnhouse Stone, which stands 3.2 metres high and is aligned to the entrance of Mays Howe and also perfectly aligned to the setting midwinter sun. At first you might think this stone is totally unconnected to the sites around it, but it's all been very carefully thought about and designed. And then there is a Neolithic low road that links Mays Howe with the well-preserved ancient village of Scarabray and also passes near the standing stones of Stennis and the Ring of Brogga, another stone circle. Low roads connect Neolithic ceremonial sites throughout Britain. All of these sites, including Mays Howe, um, at Orkney form the heart of Orkney Neolithic World Heritage Site. And going back to that term low road, in terms of the antler path, I love how it represents an almost buried root between these ancient stone sites. And like the antler path, it resonates with the wilder and more ancient wisdom of the earth. So I visited Orkney back in 2019 and one of the lasting effects of my visit to the ancient sites was that of feeling the stones as illuminated beacons of wisdom. And I can sense them close by, even here in Dorset, more so than any other ancient stone sites I've visited. It is like a line of energy connecting me to the sites and in particular to Maze Howe. And I find myself reflecting on Mays Howe, approaching midwinter. I can feel myself there. And this is particularly poignant for me, as many years ago, after my father passed away, I visited a psychic medium, which is not something I tend to do. And he told me that my dad was there with us. And that my dad was trying to show me a line on a map. And the line went from Orkney down to Bristol and into the southwest of England. And I did not know what to make of this at the time, but over the years I feel that this is becoming clearer for me. There's some kind of spiritual energy line, a spiritual connection to the ancient aspects of Orkney that keep me connected to my father somehow. Perhaps it's linked to a past life or ancestors. And I find this energetic thread pulses stronger in the winter it is more readily noticed when I meditate or journey. And something I find fascinating is that even though we have, most of us have electric lights in our lives and we'll hang fairy lights around the house or around a tree at this time of year to honour the light, we still crave the primal light of the sun's rays in a dark place such as a tomb. 
whether at the sunset or sunrise. So just before I share a short reading uh, linked to May's Howl, I'd like to just um, say that please do follow um, updates linked to Antler Path on my Substack and on social media pages. And do let me know your thoughts on this episode. And I really thank you for supporting this podcast. Um, if you feel like making a, a donation, I have a Ko-fi page, which you can find the link to in my social media updates. Thank you so much. And I would just like to bring the episode to a close by sharing a short piece from an essay by the Scottish author Kathleen Jamie after her visit to Mays Howe in 2003. So she says, The tomb had fallen into disuse, 4,000 winters past, 4,000 solstices. Then a party of Vikings arrived en route to the Crusades. They broke into the tomb to take refuge from a storm and probably cleared out what they found inside, bones and backfill. The Vikings passed the tedious hour by hatching names and witticisms on the stones. Mace Howe contains the best collection of runic inscriptions outside Iceland. The Vikings went, and Mace Howe was again half-forgotten, a fairy place, a strange mound on a heath. Generations lived and died and we invented electric light, the internal combustion engine, we exploited oil fields, developed telephones and TVs to dispel the winter dark, and now, at solstice, we come, as no one has done for nearly 5,000 years, to witness a little beam of sunlight creep through the darkness onto a stone wall. So now with this thought in mind, of a little beam of sunlight creeping through the darkness onto an inner stone wall. Just bring your awareness back into your inner landscape. As we give thanks to kind spirits and to the earth beneath us. As we remember our ancient ancestors, particularly those who knew so well the importance of relationships between communities, stones, and the sun. And we give thanks for this wisdom. And we give thanks for the enduring power of stone, the stability it provides us, and the magic and the mystery. Blessed be. Mm -hmm.